Uh, I, uh, we, we have a busy day, so we're going to have this. What? Okay. After, after we have worship, we are going to go uh, uh, have potluck, and then the Good News Singers are going to perform, and then we've got work for you to do. Um, so uh, we, it's a busy day, I know, but... The, the more we are together, the more uh, God is with us, and the more we are encouraged on for the next week. And so let's go eat together. Let's l- listen to the Good News Singers sing together um, and, and appreciate that. And then once we're done, we've got to set up this room for Ladies Not Out. Um, that means getting, you know, I don't know what that means. That means, men, you do as you're told. That's what that means. So... Men who can do what they're told and can lift things and move things. Uh, and really, it's either or. Um, the, we, need, we need you back in here after the Good News Singers perform. If you are not a potluck person, which I get that. I get that. Some people aren't potluck people. Come back. If you're going to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken instead of eat homemade food, um, that's fine. Just come back. Come back, hear them sing. Come back and uh, uh, help us get ready for Ladies Night Out. Ladies Night Out is one of the best things we do. Um, and I, I'm, I'm really conscious of the fact that I'm not involved in that at all. And, I, it, and y'all, y'all just do such a good job. Just about anybody uh, I talk to says, um, oh, y'all are the ones that do either the great giveaway or Ladies Night Out. No one ever says, y'all are the one with that dynamic preacher. <laughs> no one ever says that. They always just talk about the things we do and the ways we serve. And I, I, I want to keep that up because um, I, I will, I, I'm not always on the top of my game. Remember that one time I preached on medication? Uh, anyway, <laughs> so we need people. We need, we need to keep serving and we need people to help us serve. Uh, if you will turn in your Bibles to Job and turn left to the last part of Esther. Esther, Esther chapter 8, 9, and 10 is where we will be, but I want to I run up to it a little bit, okay? Uh, King Xerxes gets a little murdery when he gets tipsy. Called his wife into the... Uh, into the dining hall after the feast and says, hey, come on in here. And she says, no, I'm not coming in there. And then he kills her. And that's the end of that story. What's interesting to me is you could start Esther after that story because that's where Esther shows up, Hadassah, a Jew, in um, uh, the, the city of Susa, uh, is part of a beauty, not contest, because Xerxes isn't just picking one. But it's a, it's a beauty display in which he brings the women in from the area. And he finally, he, 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 uh, Esther is his favorite. And she uh, is told by her, uh, her relative Mordecai that this guy named Haman, who really hates Mordecai. Haman hates Mordecai so much that he built... Um, a stick that's about 45 feet high. And he wants to impale um, 
Mordecai on a big stick. Now, you have to be pretty angry at someone to want to impale them. But to do it on a big stick is really mad. And so he, he, got, he gets this big thing. He's going to hang uh, uh, Mordecai from it. And not only that, Haman dislikes Mordecai so much that he's going to kill all of his people. So he says he goes to King Xerxes. King Xerxes is very uh, malleable. He'll, he'll do as you please. And so he, he, he goes to King Xerxes and says, Hey, I got an idea. You know how there's all these people that aren't like us? that don't do things the way we do things. They don't practice our practices or experience our customs. Can can we kill them? And I'll pay you money. And Xerxes is so nice. He says, keep your money. We'll kill them for free. So they make an edict. They pass it out and everyone's upset. And Mordecai comes to Esther. And we talked about this last week. Mordecai comes to Esther and says, you've got to do something. And she says, "I'm I'm afraid. And Mordecai says, I have faith that we'll be fine whether you do the thing you need to do or not. But you need to do the thing you need to do. So the difference between faith and fear is what saves the people of Israel. Well, story goes on from there. She does go into, we left you kind of hanging last week. Uh, Spoiler alert, Esther doesn't die at this point. She did this eventually, but just I don't know why. I don't know how. But Esther goes into the throne room of Xerxes, and he says he extends the scepter to her and says, come on in. And she says, I'd like to feed you. I'd like to feed you and, um, and Haman. He says, yeah, sure. And he comes to her tent, and she feeds them, and she says, hey, uh, from that time Mordecai uh, kept... Uh, he sniffed out an assassination attempt, and you have you ever uh, you ever rewarded him for that? He said, "You know what? I have it. Haman, go get Mordecai and lead him through the streets and say this is the greatest guy in the world," which is hilarious. That Haman, who he's like, "This is the greatest guy in the world. I built a big stick for him, but right now he's the best." He had to proclaim that. This guy's the greatest guy in the world. Mordecai's like, uh, could you speak up? I don't, no one, could you enunciate my praise a little? So they're walking through the streets and they, she says, and she goes in again and she says, can you come to my presence? And, and can you come again with Haman? And, uh, and Xerxes says, yes, absolutely. I'll come and I'll do anything that you want. I'll do anything that you want. Now, what's interesting here is, and this is just a literary note, you got the beginning of Esther, where Xerxes is saying to the powerful, is saying to the powerless, come in and let me see you. And the powerless loses her life over it. And then at the end of Esther, we've got the powerless saying to the powerful, come in and give me what I want. And the power, powerless saves her life. So there's this arc happening in the story. Those of you who are kind of literary nuts, just enjoy that. There's no application. It's just good. Good writing. So we've got this arc and this symmetry happening in Esther. And she's saying to Xerxes, come in. And he says, he says, what do you want? She goes, somebody's trying to kill me. (gasps) Dum, 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 the Hebrew says. And they have this like, Xerxes says, who? What? She's not only that. He's trying to kill 
my whole family. Who? That guy. Haman. I'm a Jew. Again, with the dum-dum and the dums. It's, it's just such a dramatic thing. Sometimes with the Bible. We, we don't experience the tension because we know the stories. And if we don't know the stories, the headings of the story ruin the story. Most of your Bibles will say, like a heading will be like, Jesus heals a blind man. Oh, well, I guess, spoiler alert, thank you. I would have enjoyed this story knowing what, like not knowing what happened. But let me, let me sum it up for you before you read it. Like, that'd be like going to the sixth sense and like the saying, you know, directed by M. Night Shyamalan. And then the next slide before the movie started says, Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. And then the movie starts. You'd be like, well, there's no tension here. Listen, if you haven't seen Sixth Sense and I just ruined it for you, that's your fault. It's been a long time. But there, there's a, like, we, we, don't have, we don't feel the tension of the people who are about to die. But a whole group of people who are about to die. If, if Esther isn't brave, if Esther doesn't point the finger at Haman, if Xerxes doesn't react the correct way, they die. All of them. Haman, the enemy, needed to be overcome. He needed to be defeated. And, and the fact that we just can kind of sit by, sit back and passively experience these stories is not healthy for us. For some reason, we've lost the ability to ache for the people of Israel in Susa. They were all going to die. If Esther didn't speak up. And so. She speaks up. And when she points at Haman. Can you imagine them telling this story at Purim. At the, at the festival that celebrates this very event. Them telling the story. And the kids for the first time saying. Oh, what happened? And what did Xerxes say next? Did he extend the scepter? We all know he extends the scepter. There's no, there's no tension in us when she walks into that courtroom or into his palace court. But for them, they felt it, this ache of what is going to happen. We don't know. This ache of, oh, that would have been awful if she wouldn't have done. What, have, you ever, have you ever rewatched a movie? I don't know, so you're flipping through the channels. If, that, if that's still even a thing anymore. And you happen upon like the last half of Shawshank Redemption. Which I've never seen the whole movie. Just the last, like the first quarter or the last half. Such a good movie. But then you know how it ends. Or maybe you're like, you like Keanu Reeves in Speed. That was funny to me. I don't care about you. That was funny to me. And you're wondering what happened. Now, even if you've never seen the movie Speed, you're probably aware that there's a Speed 2, and I think they're on a boat. How does the same guy fall for the... Anyway, the... But you know there's a Speed 2, and Keanu Reeves is in it. 
So you know that you know that Bruce Willis isn't going to die hard in the first one. Because there's a second one, but the whole time you're watching it, you have this anticipation of what, but how? How are they going to get out of this? And we don't have that angst, but sometimes we, can, we know what that angst is because we've experienced pain on a, on a personal level. We've experienced suffering. We've experienced death. We've experienced the enemy in our lives. And it is the overcoming of the enemy that we celebrate. And it, it, it may not be someone trying to wipe out your whole culture like it was here. But they overcame the enemy. It was just a bucket. Someone kicked a bucket. Hope it wasn't the bucket. Well, you had many buckets. <laughs> Our preacher's ADD. <laughs> but look what happens at the end, how they sort of sum this whole story up. When Mordecai left the king's presence, he was wearing royal garments of blue and white, a large crown of gold and a purple robe of fine linen, and the city of Susa, held a joyous celebration. For the Jews, it was a time of happiness and joy, gladness and honor. In every province and in every city to which the edict of the king came, there was joy and gladness among the Jews with feasting and celebration. And many, or celebrating, and many people of others' nationalities became Jews because fear of the Jews had seized them. Mordecai recorded these events and he sent letters to all the Jews throughout the provinces of King Xerxes near and far to have them celebrate annually the 14th and the 15th days of the month of Adar. That's, for your information, a two-day party. As the time when the Jews got relief from their enemies and as the month when their sorrow was turned into joy and their mourning into a day of celebration. Listen. You probably have enemies, but it's probably because you're immature. There's probably some level of immaturity in you that creates a lot of enemies, if you have a lot of enemies. Oh, that person. Mm-mm. Get over it. They're a human being with a story just like yours. You need to forgive them because that's what Jesus would do. But the reason we don't celebrate like we should, the reason we don't have joy like we should is because our enemies are too small. They're little pathetic little enemies that even if we overcame them, it wouldn't even be that big of a deal. You ever watched a, um, a baseball fight? Uh, in the major league, sometimes a, um, a pitcher will throw a ball at the hitter and the hitter will get hit by the ball and get mad. Um, and then he'll charge the mound. And then if it's a particularly uh, offensive assault, the, the dugouts will empty. They'll come running out of the dugout. Next time that happens, watch it closely. Because what happens is 
there's like some guys who are probably friends with the guy who got hit and some guys on the other team that are friends with the pitcher that hit him. And so they're running out fast. Then there's like these other guys that are like, I guess we got to go out. (laughs) And they're like sort of just standing around talking. Whoa, easy. There's levels of fighting in baseball whenever the benches, like no, like if, if all of those athletes really wanted to fight, all of the other athletes, those, those guys who work on the lawn couldn't come out and separate them. You would just have to let it end in one team's death. But it's just sort of a haphazard violent interaction. It's just sort of a haphazard uh, enemy. That's not, they don't really want to kill these guys. If so, they wouldn't have dropped the bat. <laughs> the only weapon they had. So they, they have this... Um, they have this interaction, but it's not really, they don't go home. If one team loses, they don't go home and say, yeah, but we, lost, we won the fight. Because it doesn't matter to them. And a lot of the little minute things that you've turned into things that matter, that you've turned into enemies, and little, a lot of the little minute victories that you've had in life, they weren't fulfilling. They weren't wins. It's not a reason to celebrate. If you are having trouble celebrating, I'm guessing it's because the enemy you've overcome isn't that big. And this is one of the reasons we struggle as, uh, as particularly as a Church of Christ. And I, I just that, that's my tradition. I don't know. I'm not just picking on the Church of Christ, but uh, that's what I know. Um, I promise you, if I was if I was a Brat Baptist preacher, I'd pr- pick on them too. I promise. But in the Church of Christ, sometimes we've made the gospel solely about the forgiveness of sin. I think that's pretty universal across. The gospel of Jesus is about the fact that you had sins and he did a thing and now you don't have sins. And one of the things we get caught up in is that we try to, we try to live a, a, a life that is sinless. And we try to follow Jesus. We try to avoid sins. And the further into your life you get, into the Christian walk, the better you are at not sinning. I used to have a professor, Ken Neller, used to say this. Ken Neller always used to say he was always baffled by when the opening prayer guy stood up and said, Lord, forgive us of all of our many, many sins. And then the closing prayer got up and said, Lord, please forgive us of all our many, many sins. He always thought, what were you doing during church? (laughs) The first guy got you. What did you do from that first one to the second one that needed another many, many involved? I mean, I can get like one or two, but seriously, settle down. But our hope. Ken didn't put all that flavor onto it that I just did. But I, I hope there is a, there's, a, there's a bigger goal for us. But and also I hope that at some point along your life, you're not sinning like you used to. We call that repentance. 
And so the more we repent, the less we sin. That is just going to be a rule. We're never going to be perfect. But when we get to the place in our life where we're, where we're making the right decisions on a regular basis, when we're loving people, when we're forgiving people on a regular basis, the, the less it feels like we need the cross. But you're going to die. You're going to be put in the grave. And G, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, will. everyone will need that. I don't care how perfect you are, you die. The good news of Jesus isn't solely, notice I'm, it is this, but it's not solely the fact that Jesus died on a cross and forgave us of our sins. But the rest of the story is that he went into a tomb and walked out three days later. And so because of that, our deaths, your family's deaths, are not final. And that is really good news. It's a victory that we can, over, that we can point to and say, that's worth celebrating. No matter, no matter who, who you are and how good you are and what good you've done or what bad you've done, Jesus walking out of the tomb is a victory that we can, that we can rejoice over. And maybe, you're, maybe you're making your enemies not worth celebrating over. Making me silly little, well, they did this to me and I'm, oh, good grief. Be, grow up. Your enemies aren't other people. Now, yes, if one of them happens to be trying a genocide or two, then yeah, Haman is an enemy. But the same enemy that was threatening the Israelite people threaten us today. We've got. And we, we can't seem to quit. We can't seem to beat it. But we don't have to. Because the gospel of Jesus is that Jesus beat it for us. That we have a resurrection and we can, we can celebrate that. When I come to this place, I am coming because the good news brought me here. When, when I proclaim the gospel, it's a victory, not just over sin, but over death. That resurrection is real. And it's coming. The, and so I can, I can celebrate that. I really can. Because I got people I love. We were um, driving home from my, from my great-grandmother's funeral a couple of months ago. Uh, and my... Uh, my daughters went with me. Rachel stayed here with Nolan because uh, he can't be trusted at funerals. He drums on the coffin, and that's, like, he does. He just, they make a noise, and he likes that. But the girls went with me. They love their Granny B, their great-great-grandmother. It was the last of the fifth generation. And um, they went with me. And... Uh, Clara on the way home said, I wish they would have played that song they play at Nanny's funeral, which is Rachel's grandmother. She said, I wish they would have played that song that they played at Nanny's funeral, that song that says, You're Like My Mother, because it, she was. She was just like, she was like my mother. And Macy just joyfully goes, Maybe we can play that at Mommy's funeral. <laughs> and Clara, Clara said, Let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about it. 
Every once in a while, the idea that death is coming hits you. And if, if we're just focused on, like, I, I sin and Jesus forgives my sins, and I sin again and I ask and Jesus forgives my sins, and I sin. And Christianity is this ledger in which we're balancing our sin totals. Instead of Christianity being about an, an historic event in which a man, the Messiah, the King, the Son of God, walked out of the grave and ascended to the throne. Then we're not just balancing our sins, but we're following a king, a resurrected king, a resurrected Messiah, the living Christ. And then, then I can celebrate. And when I was growing up, you didn't laugh in church. I don't know what, I don't know if you grew, Belinda, you didn't laugh in church, did you? No, I didn't. I did, but but I don't care what happened. I don't care if the song leader fell asleep. Happened. I don't care if he hiccuped really loud while he was leading singing. That happened. You just pretend it didn't happen. This is, this is people did this. That was the Christian laugh. You, because church was a solemn thing. You came and you were respectful and you, but what's crazy to me is I, I can respect my child and celebrate my child. I can respect my wife and celebrate my wife. I can, I can laugh with my wife. I can have joy with my wife. And the reason I can have joy in specifically in amidst all this death and pain and brokenness and injustice and suffering is because I, I know that we will be saved from our impending doom. I just know it. I know it with every fiber of my being, and I can't prove it. But I have faith that Jesus has conquered an enemy worthy of my celebration. That victory is worthy of my celebration. Your enemies around you aren't big enough to celebrating defeated. The people you have these little spats or feuds with, they're not worth celebrating because they're not that big of victories. But the victory of Jesus over death is worth every ounce of our joy. It's worth every ounce of our celebration, what we do in there is so important. When we eat together, when we gather together in there, just like when we gather together in here, we do it in the name of God, the one who raised his son, the one who redeemed his people. If you need a reason to celebrate today, the victory that faith in, the, in Jesus brings, in my opinion, is the only thing that's going to last you as a, to help you live a life that celebrates, a life that enjoys, a life that has hope, and a life that is determined by a victory that matters.
you need a reason to celebrate, a reason to sing this morning. Please come forward while we stand and sing.